Our scripture reading this morning is Psalms 146, verses 1 through 10. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. This is God's word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nikki. Good morning, saints. Good morning. How are you doing? Um, it's a pleasure to be here before you today. And before we start, I just want to call on our God for help. And that he will assist us this morning in hearing God's word, in speaking God's word, in abiding in God's word, in implementing God's word. So let us pray. Um, King Jesus, Lord over heaven and earth, um, Lord over us, I ask you just continue to saturate our hearts with your presence right now. Satisfy us with yourself. Incline our hearts to all that is good and right and pleasing before you. Obstruct all distractions at this moment. Let us savor in your peace. And Father, open our eyes to see wonderful things out of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, before we start, I really want to admonish you all to um, go back to the previous weeks of the teachings um, concerning putting on the the image of Christ, putting on Christ. And if there are some talks, some sermons that you felt like really made an impression upon your heart, um, go back and review them. Rehearse them. And aim to master those, those teachings. Um, because God wants to help us cultivate habits that will lead us into a life a sustainable transformation, sustainable transformation. And so with that said, um, this is kind of a standalone sermon today. And um, the title of today's sermon is God, a model for femininity. God, a model for femininity. Interesting, huh? Don't throw any tomatoes. Um, so as an introduction, um, Netflix has produced an adaption of any of Green Gables. Anybody read that book growing up? Any of Green Gables? So Netflix has produced an adaption of that. It's really good. Um, and it's called Annie with an E. Annie with an E. And Carrie and I, my wife, we've really enjoyed this series with its drama, the poetic language, the context. Um, and in episode four, Annie, a young teenage girl, was experiencing lots of negativity from her peers at school. She was having middle school problems. So we all know what that's like. As a result, she stopped going to class and instead pretended to go to school each day and much of her time was spent just sitting in the woods reading to pine cones. Um, and so she pretended that these pine cones were her students. And so she would meet with them and take a book from the house and just read this book and teach these pine cones. When Marilla, Annie's caretaker, um, discovered that Annie had been skipping school uh, she uncovered her plans, and when she did that, 
um, she plotted to organize a meeting between um, the town preacher, Annie, herself, and Marilla brought her brother into that meeting as well. So during the meeting, um, Annie kind of expressed a, a desire to change and uh, she was sorry about skipping class and really she wasn't sorry. She was just faking it and the preacher knew that and everybody else knew it. Um, and so after a little conversation, uh, the preacher says, I have divined an answer and I quote, I have divined an answer. I see what the problem is here. This problem is easily solved. If the girl doesn't want to go to school, then she shouldn't go. She should stay at home and learn proper housekeeping until she marries. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. There is no need for her to bother with an education. Every young woman should learn how to be a good wife. Unquote. And I ask you, is that really what God had in mind when he made woman a helper? Is that what God had in mind? <laughs> Amen. Is that what it means to be a good wife? No. Is helping confined to household chores? No. And if it is, is it helping if you're doing it alone? title of today's sermon, as I said, <laughs> is God a model for femininity. So today's sermon is not about women's position in church leadership. So I want to say that again. Today's sermon is not about women's position within church leadership. Today's sermon is about women expressing God's image in everyday life. That's what today's sermon is about. I have a few aims and I will mention them. My aim is to magnify a biblical perspective of husbands as it relates to their wives and challenge husbands to adopt a collaborative approach to life and ministry with their wives. My aim, my aim is to magnify within husbands a biblical perspective as it relates to their wives and challenge husbands to adopt a collaborative approach to life and ministry with the women that they have married. That's my aim. My other aim is for single women and wives to take seriously and personally, the scripture that says, the Lord, Yahweh, is my strength, my shield, my heart trusts trust in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. Psalm 28, verse 7, my aim is that single women and wives will take this passage personally and seriously and see that Yahweh, God himself, truly is your strength and help. Now, this text does not say that God gives strength. He does, but that's not what this text is saying. It says that he is your strength, your helper. It's what he is. Your identity the identity you have as a helper is derived from 
God's function and God's identity as helper. The identity, women, that you have as helper is derived from God's very own function and identity as helper. And as we will soon see, it is not an inferior title. It is not an inferior title. From this identity, ladies, I want you to live creatively with the God who rescued you. To learn how to put into action the ideas that he's given you. The dreams that he's given you. To bring those into pass with his help. To live creatively, create creatively with your God. My aim is for single men to have a higher view of women and to get their affairs in order. So as to encourage and accommodate a godly woman. My aim is for single men to have a higher view of women, to get their affairs in order so as to encourage and accommodate a godly woman. Today, the spirit will speak in hundreds of ways, ways that I have not intended, ways that I did not aim for. Therefore, I say, so let the one who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit will say today. He's the true teacher. He's the one who brings truth to light. So, turn to your neighbor. What did you just hear me say? Say to your neighbor, what did you just hear me say? And I'll give you a little minute to do that. What did you just hear me say? Was it good to just talk that out right quick? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're going to do that a lot today. Um, point one. I have a few points today that I want to walk through. Uh, four total. And uh, I'll just disclose them as we progress through today's sermon. Point one. Yahweh is helper and the theme of dominion. Yahweh is helper and the theme of dominion. So we would trace the theme of Yahweh functioning as help um, through this psalm, Psalm 146. 146, is that right? Yeah, 146. And we will trace the theme of that help in the context of him ruling and reigning. Um, We will see that today. So Yahweh is helper and the theme of dominion. Psalm 146 shows us Yahweh as helper and it presents the theme of dominion. Um, And so we need to look at God first before we look at us, because he's going to help us see what we look like, right? So God first, and then we will transition into um, what it looks like for the woman to function as as helper. So in this text, in this psalm, we see that Yahweh is praised for who he is and what he has done. He is being praised for who he is and what he has done. Um, Because of his character displayed in his actions, He is to be praised and relied upon. Hence the common phrase in scripture, trust in the Lord. So because of his actions and because of his character, he is to be praised and relied upon. Now, as we survey the passage of Psalm 146, we will see God's command to not put confidence in human beings. As as we heard as Nikki read through the passage. God, God commands us to not put our weights of trust in people. Ultimately, from God's perspective, people are powerless. The limitations of being human are magnified by our lack of permanence in the world. People die and their plans die with them. 
But Yahweh lives on. And his plans are never derailed. And those who rely on, trust in, and have confidence in him are considered blessed or happy. So as verse 5 of chapter 146 of the psalm says, and I read, blessed, and when you hear blessed, think happy. Blessed, happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, their God. So those who have him as their help are blessed, happy people. Notice in verse 5, the word help is not a verb. It's not a verb. It's, it's a noun. Um, what is a noun? Person, place, thing, or idea, right? And so we see that help is what God is and not simply what he does. Help is what God is. Now, the Hebrew word for help is Azer. And so you, you're, you'll hear me saying that again and again and again, Azer. The Hebrew word for help. And that's what it is in this text here. This word is used 21 times in the Old Testament. 21 times in the Old Testament. And 16 of those 21 times, the word is being used for God himself. And in several cases, this word is connected with the theme of rescuing, of saving, of acting powerfully. In several cases, this word is connected to the theme of rescuing, of saving, of, of acting powerfully. So, azer or help is also used to identify the woman when she was created in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. But more on that later. So, the word azer or help, same word used here for God, is used there for the woman in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. But we'll get into that as we progress throughout this talk today. But Psalm 146, verse 5, it leads us to ask, how is God the help of his people based on this passage? How is God the help of his people based on this passage? And the answer is revealed through the following verses, and it seems to just explode with demonstrations of God's power and demonstrated through his help for the people that he set apart for himself. And it goes on to say things like, he is the maker of heaven and earth. He is the maker of heaven and earth. How does this image, how does this image make you feel? How does this image make you feel when you see that? Hmm? Expectant. He's the maker of heaven and earth. And it goes on to say that he remains faithful. He remains faithful. And the scripture progresses, progresses with the other um, word pictures. And it says that he upholds the cause of the oppressed. He sets prisoners free. He gives sight to the blind. He lifts up the lowly. He loves the righteous. Look around. He loves the righteous. He watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. 
he frustrates the plans of the wicked. I thought that was funny too. (laughs) He reigns forever. Wonderful word pictures of what it looks like for God to be our helper, our helper. And you see, all of those were lavished with, those pictures were lavished with good works. It's a theme here. So now let's move to the book of Exodus and continue exploring the theme of help and dominion. Now, Moses named, he had two sons. He named one of his sons Eliezer, which means God is my helper. In Exodus chapter chapter 18, verse 3 through 4, um, we see the reason why Moses gave his son this name. So he has two sons. He named one of them Eliezer, which means God is my helper. And in Exodus chapter 18, 3 through 4, we see the, the rationale behind this, the rationale behind this. And the, at the beginning, beginning at the end of verse 3, it reads, One son was named Gershom. For Moses said, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer. For he said, My father's God was my helper and saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Now we see in this passage the word Azer once again translated as helper. Yahweh helped Moses by rescuing him from being killed by Pharaoh. He says, my father's God was my Azer, my helper. Now what thoughts or feelings or images come to mind when you hear of God as Moses' helper based on what has been discussed already. What thoughts or feelings or images come to mind when you hear God as Moses' helper based on what we've discussed already? Is this an inferior position? No. Should you feel sorry for God? Or Pharaoh? Should you feel sorry for God or Pharaoh? All right. I mean, I will feel sorry for Pharaoh based on Moses naming his son Eliezer and he delivered him from the sword of Pharaoh. So we see this is not an inferior position. So Azer or helper Um, It's not an inferior role, and I just want to keep reiterating that. And so what we want to do, we want to find out how God helped Moses by rescuing him. And from this, we'll transition into talking about the woman. And so I just want to briefly tell the story from Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 through 22, and chapter 14, 1 through 29. And so... In chapter 13, 1 through 17 through 22, we see the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. And I'm going to summarize this. They're coming out of Egypt and um, Pharaoh lets them go. So they go into the desert to worship the Lord their God. And so as they're going out through the desert, they come to the conclusion, the Egyptians come to the conclusion, man, we just did something very stupid. Who's going to build Egypt? Who's gonna, who's gonna do all the labor? You let the laborers go. Let's go get them back. And so, um, the, the Israelites have progressed far into the desert. They come out, the Egyptians come on a hunt to go and get them. Um, as the Israelites are in the desert, they're thirsty, they're tired, and they tell Moses, Were there not enough graves in Egypt that you have to bring us to the desert to die? And so God expresses his power and grace on their behalf. Later, they realize that the army is gaining on them. And it's like, where are we going to go? There's Look at all this water in front of us. 
And so God's Moses is complaining to God. God says, stretch out your staff. And so he does that. And the text tells us throughout the night, this great wind began to blow and the rivers divided. And they were able to cross the Red Sea on dry land. And so the armies of Egypt were still gaining on them. They said, you know, there was a lot of chaos. They began to have um, a lot of trouble with their chariots. Things were breaking. And they ended up going into the bed of the Red Sea. And all the waters caved in on them. And the entire army was wiped out. And in chapter 14... Verse 29 and 30 of Exodus, it says, But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, and a wall of water on their right, with a wall of water on their right and left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And because of that event, Moses said that God was his helper because he rescued him from the sword of Pharaoh. So I hear within these stories here and also within Psalm 146, I hear the theme of dominion, the theme of power, the theme of critical support as it relates to Azar. So based on point one, Yahweh's helper and the theme of dominion, what do you hear God saying? So just turn to your neighbor and just briefly discuss. What are you hearing based on um, this conversation about God is helper and the theme of dominion? What is that meaning to you? What are you hearing? What is God saying? All right. So point two, the woman is helper in the theme of dominion. Point two, the woman is helper in the theme of dominion. Some of you guys are so not used to talking in church, you can't even say anything. All right, come on, play my game. All right. So the woman is helper in the theme of dominion. And we will start... Um, this discussion uh, with Genesis chapter 1, verse 25 through 28. And I just want to read a few verses and elaborate on what we see here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 25 through 28. And it says, God made the wild animals according to their kind, the livestock according to their kind, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image and the image of God, he created them. Emphasis mine. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living thing that moves on the ground. Genesis 2, 18. 2, verse 15 through 18. The Lord God 
took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it, to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. What do we see here? We see a man who knows his place in the world. We see a man who knows his place in the world. He sees his responsibilities and the opportunities that God has provided as a stewardship. We see a man who knows his place in the world. He sees the responsibilities and the opportunities that God has given him as a stewardship. And the woman, his counterpart, which is what it means to be suitable or help me fit for him. The word simply means counterpart. Counterpart. Um, Nathan, what's your, what's your occupation? Mechanical engineer. And so you, your, your work is here locally, right? And if you were traveling to Washington, D.C. to meet with um, a sister company, and they said, we want you to sit down with your counterpart, what would you assume about that person? That they had the same level of knowledge about the world. That they were equal to you. That's right. Maybe function as a different role there, but equal to you. All right. Clear? Okay. So God made the woman... Suitable for him, help meet, fit, where it means to be a counterpart. Um, made her that as a co-ruler with him in the opportunities, the responsibilities, and the stewardship. Did you hear me? So the woman is man's counterpart to function as a co-ruler with him in those opportunities and responsibilities and the stewardship provided by God. Now, having learned that azer or helper is not an inferior title, let's look at the woman, the helper. Now, because the Lord is her strength, she is strong and mighty as a helper exercising dominion alongside the man you see here in the garden. It's her identity, not just her function. She is to partner with man in ruling over the created world and implementing the commands of God. She is to partner with man in ruling over the created world and implementing the commands of God. What did I just say? You can just say it out loud. All right. So remember, as a reminder, this is a sermon not about women functioning church leadership. That's another sermon. This is a sermon about women learning to express the image of God in everyday life. In everyday life. Now, married brothers, what kind of men ought we to be if this is our wives' job description? Support them. <laughs> A lot of whispering going on in here. I'm not trying to mess up any marriages. <laughs> this is for your good. <laughs> All right. So she is to partner with man in ruling over the created world and implementing the commands of God. And if that's the case, this is how our wives should function along with, alongside us, then that brings us to become more responsible to invite our wives into the opportunities and responsibilities that God has given as a collaborative effort and to implement within those opportunities, within those responsibilities, the commands that God has stewarded to us. 
So in these texts, we see that she was created to be like God. Um, can, ladies, could you just say that I was created to be like God? Yes, God made you in his image and likeness. It's true for everybody in this room. Uh, but I just want you to hear yourself say that. Um, to rule over all that God has made. Now, in Christ, the woman, her destiny in Christ is to reign with God forever. Revelations 22.5 speaks about the destiny of all who have embraced Christ as rulers with him Forever and ever. We will reign with him forever and ever. Revelation 22, 5. And so in Christ, the woman, her destiny is to reign with God forever. And so the responsibilities that God has given now and the stewardship that God has provided, provided now is training for reigning. Training for reigning. Now, let's talk about how dominion works. Dominion is expressed through implementing and putting into actions the king's commands. When we implement and put into actions the things that God has commanded us, in that sense, we get to act on the behalf of God. And this is what God intended in bringing man and woman together. So the man and the woman are learning how to rule with God by obeying the commands of God. They get to act out what is good and right in the eyes of God. That is an aspect of dominion. The man was placed in the garden that God made in order to cultivate it. Therefore, the man is a steward of God's possessions. Secondly, the man was given God's commands. Therefore, the man is a steward of God's authority. He's a steward of God's possessions. The garden belongs to God. God put man there to rule it, to cultivate it. Then God gave man a command and put man in the garden. In that garden, he was to implement the commands of God, to obey and to function by those commands. Therefore, that presents him as a steward of God's authority, which empowers him to act in the name of God, to act on the behalf of God and from God's resources. So after the man was placed in the garden and given the command from God, God created a counterpart, a woman, as a helper. And this leads us to the common sense, common sense question, help him do what? I heard a whisper. Sharing the responsibility. Another one, a whisper. To steward. Absolutely. I can't see where the voice was coming from, but I heard you. Help him to rule and implement and put into action the commands of God and cultivate the created world. So, how will you implement the commands of God and the opportunities and the responsibilities that God has provided for you? How will you implement the commands of God and the opportunities and the responsibilities God has provided for you? Because in that sense, as you do that, you, in this aspect, get to exercise what it means to rule alongside God. Man is God's, the agent through which God exercises dominion. Mankind is that. And many times we don't realize it because we have such a low view of what it looks like to rule with God here and now. And as we submit to his commands and implement those in the everyday life, in that sense, we rule with him. All right, so what are you hearing? Turn to someone. Tell them, what, what are you hearing? What is God saying to you? What, what are you hearing based on this? If you're not hearing anything, just say, I don't hear anything. But, <laughs> but if you're hearing something, say you're hearing something. <laughs> what is God saying?
All right. Good? A room full of rulers. Rulers. You should seriously consider what you'll be doing 10,000 years from now. Like, for real. You should be thinking about that. Room full of rulers. All right. Um, So um, that's point two. Point three is your helper will rule the world. Your helper will rule the world. Rule the world. Rule the world. It's big ideas. Um, and so for this point, um, we'll start in First Peter chapter 3, um, verse 7. And um, this will be brief. And so after this, I want to just draw some parallels between um, the woman we see in Proverbs 31 and God in Psalms 146. Draw some parallels between those two and um, let you have an, another dis- discussion. <laughs> So, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, huge verse, and it says, Husbands, um, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And some versions say, live with your wives in an understanding way. And treat them with respect as the weaker partner or weaker vessel. And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Um, So before I talk through this, I just want to clear out one thing. When you hear, when the text says weaker partner, the word partner actually means vessel. It, It means something that contains something. Um, just like this bottle here is a vessel for the H2O within it, within it. Uh, and so, um, this is, this is when it speaks about the weaker partner, it's not talking about weak in a sense of morality or personality, but literally vessel, vessel. Uh, and that's just a general statement. It's a general statement. There's some CrossFitters around here that can do some guys in. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, generally speaking, uh, I just want to clear that up. So as I want to elaborate on this passage briefly. God wants husbands to progressively study their wives and apply the knowledge that they receive. Don't wing it. Progressively study their wives. Um, so we're commanded to value um, our wives as a co-inheritor of the gift of life. And women in general, period, we're to value them as a co-inheritor of the gift of life. And so when he speaks about the gift of life here, once again, Revelations 22.5, ruling and reigning with God forever. And the, and the question that the text brings is why? Why should this be? And the answer is, so your prayers would not be hindered. And the word hinder means to block, to impede, to cut in the way of a moving object. You guys live in Memphis. You know what it's like. Uh, The word hinder means to detain, to detain. And so God is calling men to honor and and respect their wives so that their prayers would not go to jail. So that their prayers would not be detained in prison. And a synonym for detain is to hold, to take into custody, to arrest, to confine. So we are to value our ladies as the people through whom God will rule the world. People with whom we will reign forever. And not honoring them as equals 
will equal to having an unproductive lockdown quarantine prayer life. Nobody wants an imprisoned walk with God. And the way to gain freedom from that is to see the woman as the person with whom we will reign and God will reign through forever. To value them as inheritors of the gift of life, eternal life. C.S. Lewis said, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you may talk to may one day be the creature which, if you saw it now, you will be strongly tempted to worship. If you could see them now, as they will be in the future, you would probably be tempted to worship them. That's what he's saying. Heirs of the gift of life. If you could see them in the glory that they would have in the future, if you could see them in that glory now, you would probably be tempted to bow down and worship them. Heirs of the gift of life. So concluding that point, the home is the place where the man learns to rule with his wife. Not against her, but with her. What do you hear God saying? What are the applications for you, whether you're single or married? What do you hear God saying? And you think about your identity as one who will inherit the gift of life, that you will rule with God one day. What are the applications and implications for that here And now, tomorrow, today, you get to act on behalf of God. All right, you may discuss. What is God saying? What are you thinking? All right. I would whistle, but I I don't know how to do that. Um, (laughs) That's all I got. (laughs) All right. Um, So last point, I just want to look at some parallels. And this would be um, less discussion and more just looking at who God is and who the woman is based on Proverbs 31. Um, And I just want you to see these pictures matching. That's what I, what's what I want. I want you to see these pictures matching. And so we're going to use some text from Psalms 146. Psalms 146 is, 146 verse 6 is a picture of God's faithfulness. And the text says, he is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. And then it says, he remains faithful forever. So we see this God who created all things is a God of faithfulness. He remains faithful forever. Now, Proverbs 31, verse 11 and 12, we're going to draw a parallel. And it reads, her husband 
has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. He remains faithful forever. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Just want you to see the parallel there. All right, so moving forward, another parallel. Um, Psalms 146, verse 7 through 9. Yahweh, he helps the needy. And it says, he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the plans of the wicked. So we see the Lord helping the needy, coming to their aid as helper. In Proverbs 31, verse 20, we see the godly woman being displayed. And the text says in chapter 31, verse 20, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. I just want you to see God and his image being displayed in this, in this woman's life in Proverbs 31, this image of the godly woman. Psalm 146, verse 1 and 2. And this is a stunning one here. It's beautiful. It's very stunning. And it says that Yahweh is worthy of praise. And it says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to God as long as I live. Yahweh, worthy of praise. Proverbs 31, 28 through 31. And it says... Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. And he says, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord, who fears Yahweh, is to be praised. Verse 31, it says, honor her for all her hands have done. And let her works praise her in the gates. You would not expect to see a parallel there, would you? Praise the Lord for all that he's done. All that his hands have made. Praise her for what her hands have done. Let her works praise her in the gates. Her children praise her. Husband praises her. Psalm 146, verse 8b. We see Yahweh, he values righteousness. And the text says, 146, 8b, the Lord loves righteousness. And Proverbs 31, verse 10 and verse 30, it says, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. This lady, this woman, loves, values righteousness. Values righteousness. Just a picture of a godly woman, period. Now, I just want to look at this one word here, this word noble. In this text, I'm reading from the NIV. It says noble. Your version may say virtuous. Um, it just can be a little misleading, but I just want you just to hear some definitions behind this word and some translations for it. Noble, virtuous, it basically means strength, efficiency, wealth. The word is also used for armies. It's just a symbol of might. Translations for this word is capability, excellence, mighty, power, valiant, worthy, great, warrior, strong, substance. The woman of substance, the woman of excellence, of valiance, of power, the woman of capability. It's the godly woman. So when you think virtue, virtuous, you think strength, you think nobility, 
Just have those other words in mind to help bring character to what's happening here. Now, in application at the end, I just want you to hear, ladies, that God is the source of your identity. And your function as a helper in the world is not one of inferiority. Whether you're single, whether you're married. That it is an exercise of power alongside God. And God exercises his strength and ability to create, to sustain, to build in and through you. So I want you to see God as your source today. Um, in, in, in my marriage, I found myself um, marginalizing my wife through um, not letting her help me in my strengths but only in my weaknesses. And so coming to the conclusion that she was too was made in the image of God, created in God's likeness, and that there is a way that she's able to reflect God that makes my limitations obvious. And so as an act of humility, I've learned and learning to call on her to help me in the things that I feel strong in and not just weekend, which increases more humility in my life and my walk with Jesus. Yes. And so, um, you know, things strong in like strategy and networking and things like that. And so I'm learning how to seek her mind on things because there's, there's, there's revelation from God that's going to be communicated in and through her that I will not hear if I continue just to bulldoze my way into accomplishing things. Um, as one older man told me, he said, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, take someone with you. And so today, I wanted us to dream about a collaborative approach to life with them. So what do you hear God saying? You may discuss, and then we'll close. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so who, who would like to just say what, what, what you learned, what, what God was saying? Can I just get one person um, just to come up? Don't be scared. Not you guys. You guys can't come up. <laughs> Did you hear me? <laughs> Can we get one person to come and to say what God has been speaking to you? One person. No. <laughs> Let's get a lady. I want to hear a woman speak. Come, please. So this is the gong show. I got the gong. <laughs> All right. That is genders. We need each other. We can't run this race without the man, and the man can't run it without the woman. We, power, we need each other so we can be a powerful vessel for God. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, come on, Tiff. 
So I really thought about, uh, I'm, I'm transitioning to a new role. I'll be principal this school year. Pray for me. Pray really, really hard. Tiffany Desiree Curry is my name. So when you pray, <laughs> pray really hard. But I, I'm applying what I heard today to that. Um, I, I've done personality tests and really trying to see how, what kind of leader I am. And so I'm leaning more towards the collaborative approach, and this fell right in line with it. So I'm really excited about leading people and leading people the right way. So, Ron, I appreciate that message. Yeah, appreciate you. Gracias. Amen. Amen. Are you encouraged? Great. Well, I want to pray over you and just read some scripture over you. And then um, we can be dismissed. God, you, you are near today. Um, with us in the environment, with us throughout the theme of our lives, with us within in our bodies, with us in the mundane and the everyday activities of life. You're with us, God. I ask that you will help us to implement um, what King David says in Psalm 16. I have set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand and I shall not be shaken. Lord, I ask that you will help us to set you before us, to help you, to help us to keep you at the forefront of our minds and our thoughts as we go about in these responsibilities and activities and the stewardship that you've given, that in none of those things we ever are doing them alone. Even as King Jesus says in John 16, he says, a time is coming, and even now has come. He's speaking to his disciples. He said, when each of you will be scattered, each to your own home. He said, you will leave me all alone, but I am never alone. The Father is with me. Lord, I pray that your people will know that you, the Father, are with them today. And you have not left any alone, not a single one. That you care and that you are active and that you will empower and enable each and every one to persevere in the plan and the purposes that you've carved out for each and every one of them. I ask that you will enable them by your great might and glory to accomplish all the good works that you set out in advance for them to do. pray, Father, that you will remind us that each and every moment is a collaborative walk with you. Whether it's at work, at home, in the grocery, on the road, you're with us and you're active. And God, I just want to read some of these verses over your people. Would you cause it to sink down deep in their hearts and let, not let the evil one snatch it away? And that you would give it birth. You would bring it forth a hundredfold. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 9 through 10. It reads, I took you from the ends of the earth from its farthest corners I called you I said you are my servant I have chosen you and have not rejected you so do not fear because I am with you do not be dismayed I am your God I will strengthen you and help you I will uphold you with my righteous right hand 
all who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. And he goes on to say, in Isaiah 43, verse 1 and 2, But now, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior.